for lots of people and I you know and I think for me as well at one point what I'd been through didn't just define me because your past does define you I hate that when people say oh your past is irrelevant you can move on you know your past got you you know if I hadn't gone through that I wouldn't have done what I've done and I wouldn't be loving the life I've got now and it was almost as though if I hold on to this really tightly then um, that's my justification for how I'm being you don't understand I'm busy and I need to be busy because you don't understand what I've gone through you don't understand what's going on for me um, and I see that with other people that because I've got this I, I have an excuse for how I'm behaving I have an excuse for what I'm allowing to happen and they can't imagine but what if that wasn't there and if that wasn't there imagine if you had to suddenly be accountable and responsible and you didn't have that thing to hold onto and say yeah but it's because of this you know I, I do that because of because of this and you don't understand that and again that's really scary to just have to stand in your space and say yes things happened to me and they were horrible and I hated them and I will always hate them but I am responsible for who I am now and I am accountable for who I am now and that's a big thing that's Ali Moore and I'm Brian Falchuk this is do a day You'll hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know we can all overcome and achieve because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers, welcome to another episode of Do A Day. My guest today is Allie Moore. Allie is a coach and therapist out of the UK who had a very different start to her career where she was a marketing executive at one of the biggest, most successful companies in the world, not just on the internet, but that's that's where they're based. Um, we don't name the company, but everybody knows it. It's all over the place. And she was a high flyer. She was pushing, 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 moving ahead, doing well, and everything looked perfect from the outside. But if you dug into her personal life, she was married with three kids, lost one of her children, and pushed herself to go back to work to keep going. She saw a divorce come in the wake of losing her child. She got remarried. That didn't work out. There's all this personal difficulty that everyone around her told her, just push. And that's how she was wired, type A, just keep going. And she pushed herself so hard and succeeded so much that eventually she broke. And while it was painful and difficult, we get into why it happened, what happened because of it, and how she's found a completely different path that so many of us can benefit from and need to hear because we're all in places where we're pushing, we're lost, we're feeling things that we don't want to face and we're not giving ourselves the time to face them. Allie Moore has an amazing story and the work she does to try to give back to the world so that you don't have to find yourself in that same place of pain is incredibly valuable. And listen up for the story about the chimp. It's called There Once Was a Chimp. It blows my mind. It's a, it's a pretty wild story. Okay, we will jump in to this episode with Allie Moore. Ali Moore, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for inviting me. So we, we have to give credit to Carol Hansen, who made the introduction. Indeed. It's always nice to hear from Carol. And 
she knows very much what I'm trying to achieve with this. So whenever she says, here's someone you need to talk to, it's pretty much a given, but still deserves credit. Definitely. So tell us a little bit about the work that you do today, and then we will definitely build into the backstory behind it. Perfect. So today I am a therapist. I specialize in psychotherapy and I'm a coach and I work predominantly with women, uh, helping them to really get in touch with who they are, work through any of those past challenges that they've experienced, any of those difficult um, presenting symptoms, anxiety, stress, but more than that, really helping them to think about who they are and how they can live well in their life and, and just be authentic and feel good about being themselves. Yeah, that is um, unfortunately incredibly necessary. Yes. Um, it's great that you do the work and wouldn't it be nice if we lived in a world where people didn't have the need for these sorts of things, but that's not reality. I, you know, I would be out of a job, so that would be sad, but yeah. it would also be good. <laughs> yes, because um, it, it is sad that, that people feel the way they do, you know, and that people have experienced what they've experienced, but even people who haven't been through um, a big trauma, you know, or, or a big event, um, still end up sort of having those feelings of, I don't really know what's going on for me, I'm feeling lost, I don't really like myself, and mm -hmm. yeah, that is, um, that is a harsh reality. And I think, you know, when you mentioned people who don't see themselves as having gone through something big, and maybe they have, and they're just not giving it you know, the, the respect it needs or the recognition for what they went through, then they end up making it even worse because they're like, well, I don't deserve to, you know, my, my life wasn't hard enough for this. Why do I have this problem? Why can't I just be better, happier? You know, it's almost like they beat themselves up more. We, we compare ourselves to people who are seemingly doing so much better than us. And we mm -hmm. say, oh, I should be doing that. And then on the other hand, we don't allow ourselves to be kind and compassionate to ourselves. And we see people that we, you, we say they're doing so much worse than us. And yeah. therefore I shouldn't feel bad about who I am. So it's almost like you're stuck in the middle of this no win sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. And as much love and respect as we can have for other people, we need to bring it back to ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So very important work. And I don't think you're going to be out of a job anytime soon. Um, you, you've you've lived through this yourself as well. So can you bring us through the backstory? Because it, you've you come from such an informed position of what it must be like. Yes. So I trained later in life, and like a lot of people who train later in life, it was because of my own experiences that I went through. And um, when I when I look back, you know, I could say, oh well, it wasn't as bad as other people, but. That's, that was something that led me to have an experience where I needed to seek therapy and I needed to seek support. And because of that, um, I decided to train. So I guess, um, you know, I take you back to a time when um, living a really normal life at that time. Um, I had been with my then husband since I was 15. We had mm. two daughters together. Um, and, you know, life was just kind of, I had, I had a kind of good job, standard job, everything like that. Um, and then we went through um, a difficult time. We lost our son. And wow. through that, we ended up um, separating and getting divorced. And I'm not glossing over that, but that wasn't actually, or I didn't realize at the time, that's what made me seek help. I actually thought that I dealt with that really well. 
you know, that I had this, this, this awful thing happen. Um, and then I went out and I, I got to a point where I got promoted at work. I changed my job. I lost weight. Um, I, I trained externally as a coach. I was, I was working at, um, at that big online company. I don't know if I'm allowed to say them, but there's a massive online company that everybody buys from. from. And um, I'd been with them for a long time and I really pushed myself forward after the separation. And, and I'd found the, the, the new person that's gone on to be my current husband. And I would say, if you'd asked me at that time, I was winning at life. Mm. You know, I had this amazing job I, and I was able to fly and around the world and, and it was great. Um, Can I and, just ask you for a second, though, yeah. had you done anything on the back of losing your son and the divorce and the tougher things to get you there? Or did you just sort of charge full steam ahead despite it all? I think like many people, I went back to work really quickly because that's what people said you should do. You should get busy. You should pick up. You should get on with your life. And then mm. with the separation and divorce, it was hard. But I threw myself into my job so I didn't get I didn't get offered any support I think that's the first thing you know um uh, apart from uh, the GP offering sort of um antidepressants you yeah. know and that kind of thing I didn't and I didn't really know anything about what other therapy was was out there so you know when people said you've just got to keep busy and get on with it Ali you know and you're just gonna you, you're that's how to get through it that's what I did yeah. You know, and I just, and I pushed really hard, you know, I think by this time, because I was able to, the girls were older, they spent time with their dad, I was able to put myself forward for, for the jobs, you know, and, and, and really push my career forward. Um, yeah, that's, I thought that was exactly the right thing to do. And it was totally unexpected. Um, I use a phrase that um, the great Maya Angelou says, um, if you don't listen to the pebbles and the sand, then a boulder comes and hits you um, round the head. And I was not hearing any sand or any pebbles mm. and a boulder came and hit me right round the head. <laughs> and it was totally, totally unexpected. So what, what was that? What was the thing that pushed you to shift? Because I think anyone who's hearing it, it's like, oh, that already happened. Yes. And you just didn't give it the chance to. And I see that with clients now that it's it's often not when they're in that trauma or in that experience. So um, I remember telling you about this and thinking, shall I tell him this story when we spoke? But I'm, you know, I've shared it with so many people. So um, I call it there once was a chimp. So there I was, career woman, and you know, um, enjoying life, and I go out to feed the family cats. I go outside the back door, I feed the family cats. We live in a part of England that's really near a place called Woven Safari Park. So, you know, big open plan safari park. And as I'm feeding the cats and the girls are getting ready to go to school, I suddenly have this real sense, like I can't, it, it was like this absolutely in my head was going to happen. This was, this was truth that a chimpanzee had escaped from the safari park and was on the loose okay and you're saying well that's crazy yes and there was part of my brain going that's that's crazy but there was another part of me in that moment where I absolutely believed that was the case and I was filled with fear and I was having what I now know is is a severe anxiety attack yeah so I cats up and I put them in the house and um 
I was almost going to ring the girls' school and explain that I wasn't going to let them walk to school because there was this chimpanzee on the loose. And when I told them, and because it, it, it sort of came out in the talks I do, so I told them, you imagine the horror a few years later if I had run this, you know, these two teenage girls' school and, and said, you know, this, they would have just been mortified. <laughs> but yeah, I did. or would have sent someone to the house to see if you can continue to be their parent. Well, exactly. Yes. I mean, just like imagine if I had actually done that and tried to explain myself, you know. Um, Anyway, after a few minutes, I'm sat there going, what happened? That was ridiculous. What on earth? You know, and I'm and I'm back to normal. Yeah. I'm thinking, oh, thank goodness I didn't ring the school and just need to get on with my day. And off I go. And the thing was that the chimp, who I never actually saw, um, but the chimp stayed with me after that and he would pop up. So I was traveling a lot and I would go to different hotel rooms and I would have to check under the bed and check in the wardrobe and check the connecting door was locked. And I, you know, and I started to become very anxious about that. Um, and I remember driving down the motorway and having to pull over because I needed to look in the boot of the car because I was convinced that this chimp was in the boot of the car and um i had thankfully met a very supportive um now husband um and and i had to tell him because this was really impacting me this and and i again i i didn't really um understand what was going on i thought i dealt with it i i didn't link this anxiety to the bereavement and to the to the hurt and all of the pain that had gone on i thought i am going just mad yeah. you know and no reason for it and how am I going to continue to parent my girls and hold down this job I must be stressed the job must be really stressful yeah. you know, that's what it is how long was this after the loss of your son and your so marriage this, ending so this was uh this was a good two years this was a good two and a half oh. years so uh the marriage carried on for about another year um, and then we separated and then this was like another year on. So this was, yeah. this was when I really thought that I had not put it behind me, but I thought I've got my life kind of almost back yeah. you know, in, a, in a place that, 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 that's, that's, that, that's good. Um, I mean, outwardly in a relatively short amount of time, you had created quite a bit of success for yourself. Yes. So everyone, everyone who's looking in saying, oh, she's good. She's gotten through it. Look where she's gotten to herself. She's a sign that you don't have to get knocked down by the worst of the worst. Right. And yeah, if you'd looked at, if you'd been somebody looking at my life and you were going through a hard time, you might think she is doing really well. Look at that. That's, you know, that's, that's how I could be. Um, and, um, and at, at, it got to the point where I knew, I knew I needed help and I didn't know where to get help. Um, so I've just seen uh, somebody who advertised regularly in a local paper. And uh, at the time, she, she advertised herself as a hypnotherapist. And I just thought, you know what, um, I'm going to go and she's going to make this all go away. I had no understanding of the process. She's going to make it go away. Yeah. And I can go on with my beautiful life that I built, that I must hold on to. Um, and that was a revelation because that isn't what happened. And that's what introduced me to therapy and psychotherapy. Bearing in mind, I was already a qualified coach. So as well, I felt like this was a failure. Mm. I, I was working with people who were in really high pressure jobs 
in a really big company that expected a lot from people. And I was outwardly working with them and helping them stay in their space. And I couldn't hold my stuff together, you know, yeah. And, yeah. and who would want to be coached by me? You know, this crazy woman who has a chimp in the boot of her car, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. So, so that, that's when I got introduced to therapy. Um, and it was like the missing piece of the puzzle for me because it kind of, I realized that it, firstly, it was a revelation and, 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 um, you're never, I don't think you're ever completely done, you know, but it's certainly, um, I said goodbye to the chimp, um, and, uh, and that, and that was a big relief and I understood what was going on and I understood that the way that I had dealt with things was I hadn't dealt with things. I yeah. had just filled my life with stuff and busyness and squished it all down in a box and it was there bubbling away until one day when it was quiet and the messages and the sand and the pebbles could come through, the boulder turned up. <laughs> yeah. I think an imposter syndrome, um, I mean, that, that's just like one piece of what you must have been thinking and feeling. And this, I've heard a lot of people who are like this outward, almost facade, not intentionally, but if people find out what's really going on and people turn to you as a role model or for advice, and it's like inside, you're not feeling any of what they're seeing. I know. And even um, I got asked to share my story in a, in a book. Um, and I hadn't really up to that point talked about my story. Um, and then I went on to, to write my own book. And at the book launch, my dad came up to me and he said, I had no idea. Mm. You know, I would ring you and we would talk about this great job you had. And I was thinking, you know, I'm so proud because she's working for this great company and look what she's doing and she's qualifying as this and that and the other and hadn't had no, he said, you would never, you know, I'm close to my dad. And he said, I'd never have known. I never knew how bad that was. And, yeah. and then there was still a little bit of me that went, how good is that? Cause I hid it really, really well. Yeah, yeah. Even more to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. I can just celebrate that when actually that's, not how people should feel no. no you're proud of the wrong so, piece of it exactly yeah I was so proud at one point that I was hiding it so well because I think there's still such a stigma you know people worry about what people are gonna think about yeah. so as you get introduced to therapy you start doing it yourself that starts pulling you down this path how do you let go of all the success and normalcy and, oh, she's gotten over it that you had created around yourself to go in a different direction? I think understanding that it was okay to talk about it was, was, was really, um, was, was a revelation. Um, understanding that other people equally felt as lost, um, starting to meet I, I trained with a great organization and and a lot of the therapists there had trained later in life and it was like here's a group of people who've equally been through something and then decided to go down this path and it's just been an ongoing process mm. of um just understanding that um 
you know, they say it, don't they? It's okay to not be okay. Um, and I don't know when um, it all started to come together, but I think when you work with clients and you sit in that space with them and you allow them to have that space, there's always a part of you that reflects on what you went through and, and empathizing with them and just wanting to help them see that it's okay to sit in that space, yeah. you know, and, and, and you don't have to celebrate holding it all together. You know, yeah. you can do something, but you know, um, it's, it's a driver because even when I, um, even when I qualified and I started my practice, I almost got back on this same roller coaster because I got all these messages from these coaches telling me, you know, you can make six figures and you can be on a beach and you can be living the dream. And, and so, you know, I, I, it's, you know, I, I wrote the book and then I wrote another book and then I entered the awards and then I entered again because I was only, only a finalist, you know, and then I didn't win the award. And I would say, you know, I've been on this journey for about sort of the therapy journey for, for about sort of nine, 10 years. Mm. And, and I've been in private practice um, running my own business for five years, just coming up to five years. I would say still it's only in the last year that I've said, why was I doing all that again? Why was I, I it's like there you were again, needing yeah. external validation, you know, needing, needing the shiny thing to say, you're good, you're doing really well, you know, and it was never enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. And have you dug into that question? Yes, I think um, I'm definitely a classic overachiever, is that, you know, and uh, and you can get very caught up in the what next. I think I, I think lots of things played into that. Um, I spent a long time in a company where you didn't celebrate what you had just achieved. You had to prove you were already working on something that was equally good and you yeah. were equally holding it together so that was what you did um and I, and I think you know when you when I got married marriage was for life and obviously you know there's a sense of there was a sense of failure there you know so I have to fix that I have to try and be better um and just constantly you know I look back over my life and realized I'd spent a long time trying to prove myself even as a child I was you know I was bullied severely as a child I, I was taken out of school and homeschooled so there was a whole kind of piece of um I need to be better um I need to be I need to be prettier I need to be thinner I need to be more successful then my peer group will love me and like me you know um and all of that kind of accumulates and and, mm. and thankfully now I could stop and see oh you have a pattern of behavior <laughs> that you don't have to have anymore and, yeah. it's, and it feels good how do you not have it anymore because it's it's so deeply entrenched and ingrained for from some pretty strong experiences it's not a light wiring within your brain it, it's no. steep i i'm still driven you know i still like to do things to the best that i can do um my kids won't ever play really Monopoly with me because I'm hugely competitive. Um, but I have settled. I, you know, I, I suddenly realized that 
you don't need a shiny award to validate what you've done. You can feel validated by the work that you do, by the clients that you work with, uh, by the conversations that you have. So I would never say that I was somebody who would just sit back. I'm always thinking of what's the next project, what's the next thing I can do. But it's, I feel like now I can channel that into a different way, such as setting up a foundation to work with young women, you know, is a, is a much healthier and, and satisfying way of, of channeling that need to do something else as opposed to writing an award entry and, you know, then feeling a failure if you don't win it, you know, yeah. so it's, it, it's not that I've changed completely as a person, but I've learned to channel it into other ways. Yeah, I mean, I think that's important is we don't have to break who we are. There's nothing wrong with who we are. But it, I mean, the conversations come full circle is you weren't settled with yourself. You were striving to look better in someone else's eyes and how they judge you for it when sort of ignoring how you felt for yourself. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so now the conversations that I have with people when they come to me, um, I remember being that person walking into the therapy room going, so just hypnotize me and make this all go away because I'm super busy um, and I have a life to get on with. Yeah. And being so horrified that that wasn't what was going to happen. And people coming in saying, right, well, I really don't like where I am and I want it all to be different and I want to be somewhere else. And me having to be the one to say, well, let's just talk about you. Let's stop talking about everyone else. Let's stop yeah. talking about what's going on. Let's talk about how you are and what's going on, who, who you are and, and what relationship do you have with yourself? Because what I've learned is that that relationship with yourself, that's the platform, that's the stage on which every other relationship is played out, right? Yeah. And, um, and, and that's when I see the clients go, oh, she's not just going to make this go away. <laughs> Do you, so you're actually the second, you're my second interview today and the second person to say exactly this about the first time they went to hypnotherapy, um, that it was like, I'm busy. I don't want to face all this. I'm, I'm going to lay here. You're going to put me in a trance and I'm going to wake up and, and I'll be fixed. You know, I won't act like a chicken anymore, whatever you see when hypnotherapists go on stage or hypnotists. Um, and of course, it's not like that. And I think a piece of it is that fear of not just having to go through it all and feeling like it's too much, but the fear of having to face, because the whole time we know what's really inside of us and that's really scary for people and they want to skip over it. Yes. I, I had, you know, when I say I didn't link what was going on for me to what had happened, I knew when I went to therapy, they were going to ask me about my past and what had happened and then I was going to have to talk about all this stuff all this stuff that I put in a box and, yeah. and put the lid on um and and that is I get it that is scary you know that's because you know that at some point it's gonna hurt it's gonna yeah. be emotional you're gonna cry there's gonna be tears and snot and tissues and 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 for a lot of people, there's no way, there's no way around that. And, and, and I was too busy. I was too busy to, to do that and too in control yeah. to do that. Um, and, and fearful, you know, that is, it was fear. Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, when you, when you just painted that picture, right, the breakthrough for me was with uh, a coach and we were in a food court in a shopping mall and I, you know, we're there to talk about 
my leadership skills and style and all that, I'm not expecting we're going to go into my backstory. And that was when, you know, from my perspective, oh, I haven't gone through that much, you know, no big deal. And then we start getting into it and it all gets unlocked. And it's like, you know, we've gone through what we've gone through. It has wow. an impact on us and it all came out. And I don't know how many people were around us. Luckily, it wasn't in the heart of lunchtime, but very awkward. So doing it in the privacy of someone's office or through Zoom or something is, is a much safer um, and having access to tissues rather than the rough, cheap napkins that you would find wow. in a food court. But it's good. <laughs> but it's so necessary. And whether we... We clearly know what that thing is that's gonna, you know, that's gonna be the focus or not. There's something, and either we're blocking it or we haven't yet made those connections. But there are things that have defined us and that maybe are standing in our way or allowing us to stand in our way somehow. Yeah, definitely. And there's always something. And for me, I I always think what is it you are most afraid of what is it because whether whether you are procrastinating over the next project or whether you are stopping yourself from thinking about the thing that happened or you know um or you don't want to let go of a relationship or whatever it is um my view is it's it's about what is that there's a fear there there's something that you're holding on to because you're fearful of what you will be when that is no longer there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for lots of um, people and I, you know, and I think for me as well, at one point, what I'd been through didn't just define me because your past does define you. I hate that when people say, Oh, your past is irrelevant. You can move on. You know, your past got you, you know, if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't have done what I've done and I wouldn't be loving the life I've got now and and talking to you about that experience. So, but it was almost as though if I hold on to this really tightly, then um, that's my justification for how I'm being. Yeah. yeah. You don't understand. I'm busy and I need to be busy because you don't understand what I've gone through. You don't understand what's going on for me. Um, and I see that with other people that, you know, it's like because I've got this, I can kind of almost sounds harsh, but I, I have an excuse for how I'm behaving. I have an excuse for what I'm allowing to happen. Yeah. And they can't imagine what what if that wasn't there? And if that wasn't there, imagine if you had to suddenly be accountable and responsible and you didn't have that thing to hold on to and say, yeah, but it's because of this. You know, I, I did that because of because of this and you don't understand that. Yeah. And again, that's really scary. To just have to stand in your space and say, yes, things happened to me and they were horrible and I hated them and I will always hate them but I am responsible for who I am now and I am accountable for who I am now. And that's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I I totally agree. Um, And it is scary. And we do use that as a a shield. I mean, I was going to say excuse, maybe a nicer way is to say to shield, but also to shield us from help. And we say that, Oh, you can't understand. And whether someone can truly understand or not, that's debatable, depends on the issue and what they've been through and all that. But they also don't need to have lived it moment for moment the way you have to be able to extend a hand and help you through that journey. And again, that latching onto that thing is also keeping you from the loving people around you who aren't part of that hurt story. Yeah. 
and you you can protect yourself as well especially if it allows you to push people away yeah. and it allows you to not allow yourself to be in some kind of relationship or because you're you know because it will always end badly it's like you, you're not prepared to let yourself be there and you can use that I, I like that you can use that as a shield as your reason why you're not prepared to step into the space but actually it's because you're terrified and yeah. and it it's okay to say you're terrified of what might happen. Yeah, I yeah, it's it's almost necessary to say that, and that's okay. And maybe you don't feel safe saying it, then maybe find the person you're safe saying it around. Yes, definitely. Which needs to include you, right? You have to, yeah. So tell me more about about the foundation. Be more foundation. So um, I. I'm a, as, as I said, I'm a bit of a magpie, so I don't have a standard one client, one after the other approach. And I run um, an annual retreat for women, a day retreat, which is all about confidence and stepping in. And it's called Find Your Roar, as in like your inner roar, like the lion's roar. And um, and it's a good day um, and it's a, it's a paid for event. And the women, a lot of women would say, this is great. Um, I have a teenage daughter. Do you do something like this for teenagers? And I was like, mm. no, I haven't really kind of thought how this would work. And then I realized that the work I was doing in that particular workshop could easily be changed slightly to be more appropriate for young women. So I started doing sessions um, for teenage girls, in, but still in private practice. Mm -hmm. And getting good results and what I realized was that I love doing the work and the girls um, you know that I was working with were, were great and it doesn't matter where you come from in life and what your background is everybody still has problems you know so that but the girls I were working with had parents or carers that were interested enough and were able to afford private practice so they were interested enough to seek help for their child and they were able to afford that help and that was great. But I knew there was a whole host of young women out there who had parents or carers that either weren't interested enough and they were having to get help elsewhere or they were interested, but they simply didn't have the funds. Mm. And, um, like a lot of, um, I think it's similar in lots of countries, we have um, we have we have a very long, so we have the NHS, which is fabulous, but huge long waiting lists for mental health challenges, especially <coughs> for, for, young, for young people. Um, most of the um, government funded schemes are hugely oversubscribed mm. um, and lots of the private medical don't cover mental health challenges. So where do you go if you, if you can't afford private practice and how could I um, get in touch with this group? And as somebody who had experienced, you know, um, difficult times at school, had struggled with my own confidence, had left school at 15, um, you know, I suddenly thought, yeah, this is, why, why aren't I trying to reach these, these, these women and these girls and talk about this? Um, and I've also raised two girls. I've got two grown-up girls now, and I'm also a stepmom of a teenager. So um, everywhere I looked, there was all these signs going, why aren't you, why aren't you doing yeah. this? 
about this. Um, so we set up um, the Be More Foundation and we did two really successful trials in a school. The plan was to go into schools, do a six week workshop with a group of girls, talk about confidence, talk about role models, introduce them to what it means to feel good about yourself, talk about um, different ways of going into the world that you didn't just have to go to university, you know, talk about how they felt about social media, you know, all that stuff that goes on for them. Um, and that was great and we got all officially signed off and we got fundraising license and all of that and then of course we we hit lockdown we hit we hit um covid and um so we had to put that all on hold but we are regrouping and so the plan now is that um we will go back into schools next year for the 2021 academic year but we're also going to start looking at ways to get individual referrals so we'll start small and then we're going to um, train other people to run the program so that we can have referrals on a one-to-one -one basis mm -hmm. um, and there will be funding available um, and we can partner with other organizations that are supporting young women um, and go in and do talks and 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 yeah it's something that um, I feel really strongly about actually, and the more I've looked into it, it's definitely um, where we're going to put our energies. Yeah, it's it's definitely needed, and it's a shame it can't be moving ahead in the way you had envisioned right now. And when it does, the need will have been sort of incubating stronger. Probably other people who wouldn't have thought about it otherwise will find themselves more at a crossroads, yeah. especially reintegrating into society and the fear that some will deal with from that or just having been removed for a while, um, especially for young people. It's a very strange time socially anyway. So what you're experiencing on lockdown and, and being apart and yeah. plans yeah. you had for your life, whether they ended up playing out, out that way or not. I mean, most teenagers have not envisioned what life will genuinely be like in their 40s or 50s, but they had a sense of it. And then it seems like it's all being robbed. I think, you know, they don't think that far ahead, but things like um, if it was your last year in a certain school or if yeah. you had planned to go to university or college or if it was going to be one of your prom years or you know they think about um, you know the next year or so um, and that you know and, and we've, we've pushed them through the system to kind of get to this point yeah. and then we said oh actually we've cancelled the exams and we, we don't know what's going to happen and yeah you finished school but you've just finished and there is no prom and right. So you can't see, you know, we, we think that they do converse digitally, obviously, you know, that's a huge part. But I've spoken to young people who are now like screen timed out. I never yes. thought we'd hear it, but they there's been so much time um, on the screen. And it's been interesting, actually. I, I commented to my husband um, that now lockdown over here is eased a little bit. I'm seeing children... Um, young adults they're on bikes and stuff and for a long time we weren't seeing that it's like they got home they got on their screens they got on their games you know yeah. I was like I've seen loads of kids on bikes it's yeah. just because they've been inside and they've been on the screen for so long but I do think there's going to be a whole challenge about mental health uh, challenges and and um, uh, you know their sense of self and, and yeah. all of that I think is brewing away and I think we need to watch it generationally it's very it's very fashionable to rag on millennials or whatever generation but i think for a lot of those kids who are coming up right now i mean i have an 11 year old um it is front and center for us is what does that mean for his social development his feelings about things because it's 
he's old enough to know what's going on. He's old enough to be able to say, I don't like this or I'm bored or I'm whatever, but he's not really old enough to actually understand and process and work through uh, or to communicate it clearly enough that we can have that conversation with him beyond what he is able to get in touch with. It's, It's a very tricky time. Yes, I totally agree. And we've got a six-year-old now. Oh. So he he's almost in this sphere of, he talks about life before corona, you know, and it's because for him, this year has been a massive part of his small life, yeah. you know, and he thinks that this is how life is now going to be. And yeah. I remember when they first closed the schools down and of course some children were able to go because of key worker positions. Um, and he said to me mommy am I in trouble because he didn't understand why his friend could go to school but he Mm. was no longer allowed to go to school and having to explain that he wasn't in trouble but why can't I see anybody and he misses people and it's heartbreaking you know and they're not just going to suddenly go back to school in September and it's all going to be fine yeah yeah yeah, it is. And and I think we've got, at least in the US, we have two distinct populations on the views around this. And so there would be some people who are sort of aggressively back together and people who are having a lot of fear and trepidation yes. and bring those two groups. I mean, you see it when there's a group of people without masks and people with masks and it, it's going to be a very strange time for certain. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's so, you know, back to the point. It, your work, although, you know, would have been amazing right now, it's going to be even more necessary once, once we're all back together. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, um, maybe that, you know, that I, I, I like to think sometimes there's a reason and, you know, maybe it was good that we needed to regroup and, um, put things on hold and, and look at things a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it is interesting The bikes, bikes are like sold out in the U S there's is like to get your bike serviced would have been a day is now over a month. It's very hard to find bikes because this, I mean, it's good for the bike shops. Um, one of the few businesses that isn't really hurting, but it's, it's neat. You know, it's something you can be relatively distant on as well, you know, versus going to play basketball or something. Uh Um, but yeah, it's a nice thing. Like there are some, some interesting silver linings that maybe gets us back into some better behaviors overall. I think so. I think, I think there's things that have changed how people view their time together and how families have, have spent their time together. Um, and I think there's also things about how businesses have had to pivot and adapt. Um, and I definitely think there's things that we will keep as well as all the things that we really can't wait to, you know, let go of. Yeah. Yeah. There will be some interesting changes and we're a long way from knowing how everything will play out. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, so totally off course, but still relevant and interesting and tied to how we feel about ourselves. Yeah. Um, Ali, where's, what, is, what is next other than getting the foundation in a place where it's able to connect with people? Um, you've got two books under your belt. Are you done with the book writing? Is there something else that you're working on right now? No, I'm never, I'm never done. Um, no. Um, so the foundation will, I think, be our big project for next year. Yeah. Um, I have launched um, a membership group um, for women. 
um, where they can just create their own community. And I and I I've been sort of dabbling with that, but that's something that came out of lockdown that really took vision during lockdown. I was dabbling with somewhere that wasn't about networking and business and it wasn't about just being a mom or a parent it was somewhere that women could come together and share and support and learn and have common values um, so i'm really enjoying building my membership group and working with them um, i'm very busy in private practice um, people are now reaching out for help for lots of different reasons so that is going and um, there is another book coming um, and um, I'm enjoying this process. I feel like there's there's no pressure. Um, again, I think with the, I enjoyed writing, uh, contributing, and writing my, and writing my own book. But I, I I still feel I was in that mindset of you need to write a book because that's mm. what you, do, you know to to elevate your business. And this time I feel like I'm writing this book um, just based on what I want to talk about, and I'm going to take my time over it. But no, I'm. I'm never done. There'll always be something. Well, it's good. I mean, to the point of being, I don't want to say overachiever, being very driven. Really? Um, but yeah, it sounds, it sounds well balanced also. And, and there's a good purpose to it other yeah. than just, I got to get ahead. I need to look a certain way to people who are judging me. Yeah. There's a, a strong contribution to what you're working on now for yourself as well, but you know, for both. Um, where can people find out about this work and, become a part of what you have going on see what you're working on stay up to date and all that the easiest place to find everything is on my website which is www.bemore.uk okay and all the links to my social media are on there and my blog and details about the foundation and the membership it's all on there great so i will link to all that in the show notes and to your social media uh, i can't thank you enough for the time and i'm thankful to carol again for connecting us it's quite a journey um, and it, a lot of really strong reminders for all of us that we're probably all in some form of that, whether we recognize it or give it credit or dismiss it away or not. Yeah. So I really appreciate you sharing as you did today. You're very welcome. Thank you for asking. Are you ready to help me close the show out? Go, go for it. All right. Today is a new day. Raise your bar. Keep it high, help others do the same. That's brilliant. I love that. Ali, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. The chimp story, right? I told you, watch for it. Isn't that wild? And it wasn't just the one time. Like, I was just picturing myself going to hotels and, like, checking in, you know, the closet and the, if there's an adjoining room, like, opening the, my side of the door between them and seeing if maybe the chimp was stuck between the two doors and was going to jump out and get me later. It's, it sounds silly, but it's also super real, right? Like, think about that. Think about actually checking for this thing your mind constructed out of fear, out of anxiety. It was like this animal was the manifestation of the anxiety and the pain that was growing within her. Uh, obviously, I'm so glad that she figured out how to address that and is helping others do the same. Wow. I think we all have that chimp hiding somewhere. And what are we doing? to expose that it's not real, that it's within our mind, and that fear is real, but it's not actually about the chimp or whatever it is that we think it's about. It's about the stuff we're not truly facing, that we've pushed ourselves past, only we aren't really past it. 
I hope that this was valuable for you. Do check out Allie and her work, bemore.uk, and it's M-O-O-R-E, playing off of her last name and B, like the word B-B-E, not just the letter B. Um, and of course, there's a link to that in the show notes. So check out Allie, see everything she's doing. And if you want to work on where you're at and figure out those chimps that are holding you back, scaring you, not real, but a signal of something that is that you're not facing, the Do-A-Day Masterclass is a great way to do that. If you go to brianfalchuk.com, just click on Courses. It's still special low price of $149 instead of $897 through the end of the year. So make sure you sign up, and there is no time limit. If you sign up now and you don't start for six months, that's okay. You're not going to pay extra when you start. It's not going to go away. It's yours once you buy it in perpetuity. You can even come back to it and dig back in later. Okay, I'm going to end there. Think about those chimps. Where are they hiding? Why are they hiding? And what are they really? When you face them, you free yourself up to go out and do it. Thanks, everyone.